Atlanta has not been too kind to the Sacramento Kings, and tonight it looked like that trend would continue. But that's when De'Aaron Fox and the Kings came roaring back from 23 down to steal a win in A-Town. But despite that fact, we're going to be talking about some changes to the starting lineup that might need to take place. It's all right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And it felt like the Sacramento Kings were just going to take this amazing 2023 year that it's been and, and just they were determined to end it on a sour note in the most Kings way possible with the way this game got started in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. Was it ugly? Everyone on Kings Twitter was ready to turn the TV off and have themselves an early night, even with an East coast game. But thankfully for all of us who stuck around, some of us are, it's like we're, we're, we're required to, we can't turn the game off even if we want to. For those of us who stuck around, we saw a great comeback. We saw another epic performance from De'Aaron Fox. A lot of things that I'm going to get to, including the amazing second-half turnaround for the Sacramento Kings after giving up 71 points in the first half. They held Atlanta to just 39 points in the second half. De'Aaron Fox went for a career high. Trey Lyles and Malik Monk exploded off the bench. All this stuff we are going to get to, but in the next segment, because even though the Kings came back and won, and even though the beam is lit in the Sacramento sky, although it might be obscured by some of the storming and raining that I'm hearing on the roof of our studio right now, I think we need to have a conversation that some people feel is a long time coming, but for me, I think now is the first time that I can comfortably really start to discuss changes to the starting lineup. And first off, before we even get into that, I want to talk about Mike Brown for a quick second, because... Not the most recent Locked on Kings podcast, but after the loss to the Portland Trailblazers, I had some criticisms for Mike Brown, and rightfully so, but I mainly criticized the leadership of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, despite the fact that they combined for, I think, 77 points in that game. In recent weeks, I've seen, now I know Twitter, or X, represents a, a, a small minority of Sacramento Kings fans, so I'm not suggesting by any means that Kings fans are are in any way starting to turn on Mike Brown. But I've seen the criticisms from Mike Brown start to pick up as of late. And I do want to address that really quick because even though I don't think Mike is perfect, there's no such thing as a perfect head coach. Mike Brown would certainly say that he is not the perfect head coach. He makes mistakes, right? But Mike has been here before. And I don't mean in Sacramento, but Mike has helped teams get from good to great before. He's been at the helm, or at the very least, also as a, a, a lead assistant on teams that have made deep playoff runs, that have made it to the championships, or have won championships, right? He, he has a few rings from his time 
with the uh, the Golden State Warriors. So Mike knows what it takes to become a champion. There are few, very few people in this Kings organization that can say that same thing. So I understand any criticisms of Mike Brown that we might have on the daily. Hey, the rotation should have been this. Maybe he called a timeout earlier here. Ooh, that was a bad challenge call. Things like that. But to criticize Mike Brown in the sense that is he the right guy to be leading the Sacramento Kings or to, to suggest that the, the, the unanimous coach of the year is now kind of losing his touch a little bit and, and handling things the wrong way here in Sacramento, I think we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit because Mike knows what it takes to get from good to great, and you and I don't. Can we be completely honest here for a second? If you're a Sacramento Kings fan, if you've been a Kings fan for, for longer than a year, unless... Maybe you jumped ship from the Golden State Warriors to come back to the Sacramento Kings. I don't know. Hey, no judgment here. But if you've been a Sacramento Kings fan during this playoff drought, and I'm raising my hand because it's me too, we don't know anything. This is uncharted territory for us. We don't know a damn thing about getting from good to great. Now, we have ideas of how we think it should be done or how we would do it if we were playing NBA 2K GM mode, right? But it's very different to actually having that experience. So, in Mike Brown, we trust in that sense. That doesn't mean you can't be critical of things and, and, and question decisions of Mike Brown. I'm about to question a decision here for the most part in this first segment. But I still think very much so Mike is absolutely the guy for the job. But I do think that changes to the starting lineup might be needed. Now, we're still talking about a team that is, I think, 18 and 12 now. There's six games over 500. A team that's still in great shape. So... It's not like we're talking about, man, things need to change. This team's not working right now. Like, things are falling apart. And it felt like that when the Kings went down 23 points in the first quarter. But Sacramento has been on this trend this season after not really getting blown out too much or at all last season. They've been on this trend of blowout losses. Some people think there's been eight blowout losses. I, going through the schedule, I think there's oh, like seven can be classified uh, uh, classified as blowout losses. And it looked like tonight we were on our way to number eight. Of course, the Kings were able to pull off the epic comeback, but Sacramento should not be relying on pulling off epic comebacks so uh, as much as they've been in big holes to start this season to this point. Consistently, slow starts have been part of the cause of these blowouts. Now, to be fair, there have been actually two or three games in these blowouts where the Kings have actually led at the end of the first quarter, and then the second quarter is where they've really fallen apart. But in four of their seven blowouts that I've counted, they've been outscored by eight or more points in the first quarter. So they're falling in near double-digit to double-digit holes early on, and those are just getting worse and worse as the, uh, the, the game goes on, and the Kings are forced to climb themselves out of those holes early. Sometimes, like tonight, they're able to do it. Most of the time we've seen this season, they haven't been able to do it. And consistently, when you're looking at the starting lineup and you're looking at the weaknesses of the starting lineup, what are you looking at? You're starting two guard, Kevin Herter, and you're starting three or four hybrid wing in Harrison Barnes. Kevin Herter tonight. Seven points, three of six shooting from the field, three rebounds, one assist, only played 10 minutes because his defense was awful. Harrison Barnes tonight. Two points, 0 of 2 from the field. Literally all zeros in every other statistical category, which has been a big problem of Harrison. He does nothing. He only played 12 minutes tonight. Now, some of you might think, yeah, Matt, like it's it, it, writing's on the wall, right? It, it's time to make changes. And going back to Mike Brown for a second, that's where I think this is important because 
Sometimes the eye test tells us what we need to know. And Mike is clearly challenging this group to get from good to great. So maybe the whole purpose of these challenges and these, this bar that Mike is setting for this team, not just adapting his coaching style to what his players are, not just allowing them to be a Mike D'Antoni Rockets team and score 140 points a night while giving up 135. Mike's not satisfied with that. Maybe he's holding these teams to these standards and he's willing to sacrifice some of the offense in order to improve on the defense because he's trying to weed out which players on this roster are able to step up and do that if that's what it takes to actually win a championship and which teams of this roster are not. And at this point, progress report here, nearly at the end of the, the, the 2023 year, in December, you have Fox, Sabonis, Murray, Monk, Keon Ellis, and Trey Lyles, I think six guys that for the most part have passed this test. Trey's kind of wishy-washy. He had a great game tonight. We'll talk about him, of course, tonight. But Fox for sure, Sabonis for sure, I think Keegan Murray for sure, Malik Monk for sure. Those four guys right there that you can look at and go, Mike is trying to make changes and those guys are stepping up and answering the call and helping despite those changes. Then you have a list of guys who are at this point failing. Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, and JaVale McGee. So if the eye test is telling us or the numbers, or whatever Mike Brown's measurement of success, if he's looking at this and going, I'm trying to find out which team, which players, and send a clear message to Monty McNair in the Kings front office, hey, these are the players that are willing to adapt and can successfully adapt to the expectations that we have in order to win. These are the players that just aren't cutting it. Unfortunately, Herter and Barnes are on that not cutting it list out of, as of right now. That doesn't mean that it's over, it's done with, but Herter's inconsistencies, Harrison Barnes's consistent inability to be impactful in any other way but scoring. I don't think those are living up to the Mike Brown expectations at this point. You might be thinking, hey, writing's on the wall. Move both of them out of the starting lineup. It's time to make a change. I am personally against the idea of moving both of them out. I think that's, I mean, even though it's two out of five guys, right? Still, you have your big three in Fox, Sabonis, and Murray that would continue to be in that starting lineup. Sure. Moving two guys out of one lineup, especially a lineup that has played so much together and been together as much as those five guys have starting games for Sacramento over the last season and some change, like that's a big adjustment. So I think it would be a little overkill to move both of them out. That means you're replacing either Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes. I don't know if the Kings do this as soon as Memphis on New Year's Eve, but I think Mike Brown ought to really consider it because these slow starts and the fact that Barnes and especially Kevin Herter's playing time just keeps going down, 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 down over the last handful of weeks with no end in sight. That might be telling us what we need to know, especially when the Kings bench players came in and really saved Sacramento in this dreadful first half that they had. So I think the more popular, maybe, option, if you're just replacing one, is move Harrison Barnes out of the starting lineup and move Trey Lyles into the starting lineup. Gives you more spacing next to DeMontis Sabonis, a little more rebounding. Trey Lyles certainly rebounds the basketball better than Harrison Barnes does. Maybe defensively, Lyles is a little bit slower on fours because Keegan Murray would likely move to the three, although if the four is better than the three, then Keegan Murray's going to be guarding the four. So I don't think it's that big of a drop-off defensively, but who knows? Maybe we'll see it and realize, okay, maybe Harrison does a little more defensively than what we thought. If the Kings are going to make a change, this is my favorite change that, that they can make in the starting lineup. 
I don't know if Harrison Barnes would be would be better off the bench or not, but it's a different look. Maybe that wakes him up. Maybe that helps the Kings starting lineup. I don't know. And again, it's weird to say that a team with six games over 500 might need to shake things up a little bit, but it just feels like that starting five is not working. So do you go the Trey Lyles for Harrison Barnes route, or do you go the route of the starting shooting guard? Move Kevin Herter out of the starting lineup. Now, most of us would say, yes, put Malik Monk right in there. What's the problem? Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, they close out games typically together. That's what Monk and Fox were doing tonight. They clearly are, are their best friends. They have great chemistry. They love sharing the, floor, uh, sharing the floor together. Like, why couldn't Monk and Fox start together? I think the more obvious move is Monk replacing Kevin Herter. But we know Mike Brown. We know how much he likes and kind of needs Malik Monk off the bench with that second unit. So is it going to go back to what Mike kind of pointed to in preseason, which is Chris Duarte? Now, I think this is going to be the least popular option out of all three is Chris Duarte moving into the starting lineup. I thought Duarte actually played pretty well tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I think most of you are probably screaming at me, no, Matt, if the Kings are moving Kevin Herter out and replacing him with anybody in the starting lineup, it should be Malik Monk. Maybe you're right. Maybe that is what eventually is going to happen. But I know Mike Brown has stubbornly been sticking to this Malik Monk with the second unit, and I get it. I really do get it. So, which one would you make? What change would you make? Do you think the Sacramento Kings have to make a change, or do you let it ride out a little bit more? Because I don't know, once you make this move, if any of those guys are earning that spot back, unless it goes terribly. So... I personally feel if I'm making any starting lineup changes right now, I'm moving Trey Lyles in, I'm moving Harrison Barnes to the bench. At this point in time, that's what I feel like is the best move. And if Kevin Herter continues to struggle, then maybe once I get Trey Lyles a little more incorporated, maybe I consider adding one more or making one more change on top of that. I'm not making a change to both. But let me know. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Or feel free to, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts on that in the comment section down below. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or just perusing the waiver wire. Every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Five names, Dante Exum, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jalen Johnson, and Tarian Prince. Let's talk about Jalen Johnson a little bit. This is what Josh says. If Jalen Johnson was dropped in your league, make sure you grab him now as he is returning from injury in the coming games. Jalen Johnson has a lot to give any kind of fantasy owner. He's one of those guys that he can put up stats in small doses of playing time. Jalen Johnson is someone that really truly could be that critical, sneaky secret difference in you winning or losing your fantasy week. And ultimately, that's what we're looking for here. Josh is not going to throw the obvious guys at your face. Hey, go get Tamanda Sabonis. Hey, go get uh, uh, Nikola Jokic. Hey, go get Luka Doncic. Everybody wants those guys, and there's probably a good chance that you're playing against at least one of them each week in fantasy. Now, you have your own juggernauts that are trying to uh, balance those out, but you look at the end of your lineups, you look at your bench a little bit, and guys that you can sneak in there, like a Jalen Johnson, those could be the difference makers. Josh is going to do everything he can on Locked On Fantasy Basketball to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player 
being a perfect fit. And it's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. We can get brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay, uh, eBay rather, Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, with these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Damn it, Matt, the Kings just came back from 23 down on the road. Let's celebrate a little bit. Let's pump up the volume here and let's have a little bit of fun. De'Aaron Fox was phenomenal. I mean, if you're not watching De'Aaron Fox right now, and I'm speaking to everybody, Kings fan, Hawks fan, basketball fan, someone who's never watched basketball before in their lives, if you are not watching De'Aaron Fox play basketball, you're hurting yourself, right? That's, I mean, it's on you. You're really starving yourself of greatness. What De'Aaron Fox is continuing to do this season is nothing short of sensational. 31 points tonight, 8 of 16 from three-point range, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, four steals. You talk about having a fantasy juggernaut. De'Aaron Fox is quickly becoming that guy. And look, I'm not trying to take credit away from the player. And in fact, I'm going to give De'Aaron Fox a whole hell of a lot of praise here in just a second for what he's done off the court to get to this point. But Luke Lautz, who is the uh, one of the assistant coaches in Sacramento who has worked with De'Aaron Fox one-on-one -on -one to help that jump shot. Luke Lautz went to De'Aaron's honeymoon, I can't remember where it was, I think it was in Hawaii or something, but went with De'Aaron to his honeymoon to help him get his shots up a couple of off seasons ago. De'Aaron Fox starts working with Luke Lautz and not only is he shooting the basketball better, he is shooting like twice the volume or over twice the volume and he's knocking him down at a historic clip for him. Like a career high clip and it's not even close. He's shooting around 40% from three point range on like eight attempts per game. Tonight, he put up 16 three pointers and at, not a, and at any point did I go, oh God, De'Aaron, you're shooting too much from three point range. Maybe a little bit, especially the fact that De'Aaron only had four shots in this game inside the three point line. Hey, De'Aaron, I mean, maybe, maybe get to the cup a little bit more. Although Clint Capella was lurking down there a little bit and they were giving you the three. So, hey, you take them, but a career high Eight three-pointers for De'Aaron Fox. I mean, round of applause for Luke Lauks for all the amazing stuff that he's been able to do with De'Aaron. But also, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you have if you're not willing to put in the work. And think about where we were with De'Aaron Fox. Kevin Fippen from the Kings Herald pointed this out and talked about this a little bit on Twitter. And it was great perspective that I absolutely loved. Like, think about where we were with De'Aaron Fox like two and a half years ago, right? He and Tyrese Halliburton aren't gelling. De'Aaron Fox has been in Sacramento for five years now, and the Kings still suck. They need to go in a different direction. Vladi Divac is out as general manager. Like, Tyrese Halliburton is this exciting young draft pick, the first draft pick of Monty McNair. The Kings sign uh, De'Aaron Fox to a contract extension kind of because they have to. And, like, all these things, and we're questioning, hey, like, is De'Aaron truly the guy? Can De'Aaron really be a star, not just of a winning team? Can De'Aaron really be a star guy 1A or on a, on a championship caliber team? I don't think De'Aaron Fox can be that guy. There's a clip that resurged uh, or reemerged recently of, of um, Stephen A. Smith talking on First Take or whatever the hell the show is called and, and saying that he looks at, at De'Aaron Fox as a Mike Conley Jr. type, which is no disrespect because Mike Conley is a great player, but De'Aaron Fox is way better of a player than Mike Conley is. But those were the conversations that we were having about De'Aaron Fox. Hell, here on Locked on Kings, I ain't, I ain't saying that I wasn't that guy. 
I was critical of De'Aaron Fox too. I was questioning whether or not Fox was going to be the guy or if the Kings should give the keys over to Tyrese Halliburton. Look what Fox has done. He's worked his ass off for the last two years and some change to not only improve his jump shot, to not only show the Sacramento Kings and Monty McNair that they made the right move by committing to him by trading away their young star who's doing amazing things in Indiana to go get De'Aaron Fox, the big man help that he'd been asking for his entire career that Marvin Bagley was supposed to be, and we all know how that ends up. Marvin Bagley can barely play on a Detroit Pistons team who is the worst now on the longest streak in NBA history, losing streak, right? So the Kings commit to De'Aaron. He works on his jump shot, improves that jump shot. Here he is now scoring with the best MVPs in the league, leading the Sacramento Kings back, winning the clutch player of the year last year and building upon that this year. In the fourth quarter tonight, 13 points, four of six from three-point range, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trey Young while talking you-know-what to Trey Young's dad sitting courtside. De'Aaron's that dude. And I think we've known that. Like, De'Aaron is that freaking dude. And he just keeps proving it over and over and over again in different ways. You want to give me room in the three-point line? I'll splash that down on you. Oh, you want to close out on me instead of double, double team? I'm going right to the cup. I'm going to finish through contact. I'm going to pull up with that mid-range jumper from the elbow that you can't stop. Oh, you want to go over a screen now? See ya. You want to go under a screen? Splash. You want to switch your big on me? See ya. De'Aaron can score and do anything that he wants to on that end, and he's still constantly, every single day, being challenged by Mike Brown to improve as a defender. And at times, he is the guy defending their other team's best player in the fourth quarter. Look at Trey Young tonight, right? Katie Christensen pointed this out on the broadcast. De'Aaron Fox is out there torching the Atlanta Hawks in the fourth quarter, bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket, guarding Trey Young on the other end of the floor while Trey is standing in the corner with Chris Duarte and, Chris, uh, and uh, DeJounte Murray is trying to stop De'Aaron Fox. Those two things aren't the same. Fox is outscoring Trey Young. He's outleading Trey Young. And on top of that, he's actually guarding Trey Young while Trey's hiding in the corner on the other possessions. And that's not just a Trey Young thing. That's not just a, hey, Trey Lung, look at what Trey Young's doing wrong. Look at Trey Young hiding. There are a lot of guards in the league that are hiding, even though they're running up big numbers on the offensive end. They're hiding on defense. De'Aaron Fox ain't hiding. He'll score, he'll get in your face, and he'll lock you down. De'Aaron's just been absolutely unbelievable. But big assist tonight and big shout-out to the Sacramento Kings bench. The Kings bench scored just 17 points in their loss to the Portland Trailblazers a couple nights ago. 17 points. They followed that up with 43 points tonight. Trey Lyles, amazing. This is like that Trey Lyles that... Now, you can't expect this from Trey on a nightly basis, right? But this is the Trey Lyles. It's like, yes, this is what Trey is capable of being. This is why Trey is like a perfect fit rotation player on the Sacramento Kings. 19 points, 7 of 12 shooting from the field, 4 of 9 from three-point range, 6 rebounds. Trey Lyles was huge. Then you have Malik Monk, 15 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 8 assists, did turn the ball over 6 times. And I point that out because, one, I mean, we have to hold that accountable, right? And Malik would be the first to tell you, like, yeah, I was way too sloppy with the basketball. And that kind of comes with the chaoticness that, that Malik kind of plays with. But I point out those turnovers to still point out this. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of plus-minus, but sometimes plus-minuses tell the story. Malik, with six turnovers, was plus 18. So even though Malik was sloppy with the ball, was turning the ball over, wasn't doing too good of a job, he had the best plus-minus on the team. Let me tell you this. 
If Trey Lyles and Malik Monk are not available for the Kings tonight or aren't having this first half that they had, this overall game that they had, but especially that first half where they helped the Kings come back from down 23 to, I think they made it like a six or a five point game. And then Atlanta ripped off a massive run at the end of the second quarter to go back up by 18. And I thought, oh, that was going to be it. That was going to take the wind out of the Kings' sails. But Sacramento responded with their amazing second half. We'll get into these second half numbers here in just a second. But without Lyles and Monk tonight, this game's over at halftime. Hell, this game might be over at the end of the first quarter. Like, they truly kept the Sacramento Kings afloat. Plus, we got to give love to Chris Duarte and Davion Mitchell. Both of those guys came in. They were very impactful, I thought, on the defensive end of the floor. Offensively, I think Duarte finished with five points. And uh, Davion finished with just two. So, not too much input on the offensive end of the floor. We'd like to see more there. But Davion Mitchell hasn't been playing for a while, has lost his job to two-way player Keon Ellis, came in, played solid defense tonight. Chris Duarte, not only did he come in and play solid defense, he did so without fouling, which has been a big deal for Chris Duarte. So credit to them, too, and the entire Kings bench for giving De'Aaron Fox the chance to go superstar Fox and let the Kings steal this game in A-Town. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. Now, what is PrizePix? PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the most exciting way to get your daily fantasy fix. The way it works, you pick two to five players and more or less than their PrizePix projections, and it's just you versus the numbers. So you don't have to worry about playing uh, those sharks and those juggernauts out there and those gambling experts that really kind of steal your money and, and, and pick on something that's just supposed to be a hobby and, and something that's fun. You don't have to worry about that. You versus the prize picks projections. So you could have picked De'Aaron Fox to score more than 30 and a half points tonight, or you could pick uh, Malik Monk to have more than 18 and a half combined points and assists. There's so many fun ways to play on prize picks. Plus prize picks helps you by having these safety nets in place that truly no, no other of these daily fantasy sports sites uh, or, or platforms are going to have. For example, Malik Monk got banged up. He got hit in the hip in the first half, right? Well, if I had taken Malik Monk tonight and Malik didn't return in the second half because he got banged up early, Price Picks isn't going to penalize for you that. For that, It's just a wash. They, they boot it out. It is what it is, so that's not going to hurt you. And they even offer uh, a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if any of your players, whether it's football or, or basketball, whatever it is, if they get injured or anything that happens, uh, you have a player who exits the game in the first half. Like I mentioned, that player will get rebooted, so it does not penalize you. Prize picks is super simple to play. You can make your submissions in 60 seconds or less. There's so many Kings media members, so many Kings fans that I know already play prize picks on Kings game nights. You can be one of them. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA to take advantage of that deal. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's take a look at some of these bonkers, bonkers numbers Come from the first half of the second half for the De uh, for the, uh, the the Atlanta Hawks and how uh, the, the Kings, the, just the adjustments that the Kings made at halftime to completely flip the script on Atlanta. Like I mentioned earlier, the Hawks scored 71 points in the first half, just 39 points in the second half. They scored only 20 points in the second quarter, or rather third quarter, and 19 points in the fourth quarter. That's just... That's awesome for Sacramento. The Hawks shot 49% from the field, 50% from three-point range, and 76% from the free throw line in the first uh, half. In the second half, they dropped from 49% to 28% from the field. 
50% from three-point range to 21% from three-point range. They did shoot 100% from the foul line, but they got to the foul line significantly less. They shot eight free throws in the second half compared to 17 free throws in the first half. The Hawks were dominating in the paint to start this game. 28 points in the paint in the first half, just 12 points in the paint in the second half. They had 16 second chance points in the first half. Clint Capella is just an unbelievable offensive rebounder. That number went down to 10 second chance points in the second half. They turned the ball over just four times in the first half. And in the second half, turned the ball over 11 times. Amazing adjustments by the Sacramento Kings. This is some of the fight that I wanted to see, right? We questioned earlier on in the season, not too long ago, I questioned like the mental toughness of the Sacramento Kings. Could they rally when they fall into these holes and they unravel, they just completely fall apart. Tonight, we saw Sacramento's mental toughness on full display. Guys came in, they made an impact, they didn't look at the scoreboard, they just fought, they played hard, put themselves in a position to win, and they came in and took this game over in the fourth quarter. It helps when you have a guy like De'Aaron Fox that can carry you across the finish line, but the Kings fought tonight. And I, I love to see that. Alex Len is back from his ankle injury, and thank God he is. Alex Len deserves all of the backup center minutes. Can we just make that perfectly clear? Unless the Kings are trying to go small and have Trey Lyles play the backup five, Alex Len should be the backup center. Sorry, JaVale McGee, it hasn't worked. Sorry, like, JaVale McGee's not the guy anymore. I think JaVale has pretty much lost his job. Alex Len comes in, only scored two points, grabbed three rebounds, dished out four assists, he only played like 13 minutes, and he makes that big of an impact. He sets amazing screens, too. When Alex Len is on the floor, good things typically happen for Sacramento. I mean, he fills those minutes when DeMondis Sabonis is out and doesn't make it, and doesn't make it, he does not make that, those minutes without Sabonis feel like a desert where Sacramento is just in the mud, can't score, and doesn't look like themselves offensively. So the Kings take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Coming up next, New Year's Eve, the Kings and Grizzlies play, which is not the last, uh, it's not the first, it feels like the Kings and Grizzlies play a lot, either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I think it was New Year's Eve, or it was certainly the last game of the year, Kings and Grizzlies in Sacramento inside of Arco Arena, when Tyreek Evans hit that half-court buzzer beater heave to end the year, if, I, if I'm remembering that correctly. So maybe we'll get some more dramatics like that, but look, 2023 has been such an amazing year for the Kings, right? The best year in a long time. I'd love to see the Kings ended on a good note. But here's what I'll say. The Memphis Grizzlies, that record, you might as well just throw out the window. Like, the Kings should be the better team. The Grizzlies are still missing Steven Adams, which is a big loss for them. But with John Morant back, they were playing significantly better basketball. I think De'Aaron Fox versus John Morant is going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. I don't want the Sacramento Kings, and I don't want you as a Kings fan going into that game against the Memphis Grizzlies going, look at their record. This should be cake for Sacramento. Have you learned nothing? Even if John Morant was still not playing, I'd be a little nervous about that. Hell, I'll be honest with you, and I, th I don't think I'm alone here. The Kings play the Detroit Pistons coming up here in like a week or something like that. If Detroit is still on their losing streak, I'm scared to death of that game. Can I be honest with you? I'm scared. Like, you don't want to be the team that Detroit ends that losing streak against because everybody's going to go back in the history books and go, oh, Detroit, wow, they set the record. Let's see, they lost 30-whatever games in a row in 2023, 20, 2024. Who did they end it against? Oh, they ended it against the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, that kind of sucks for the Kings. No one wants to be that team, right? And it looked like Boston was going to be that team the other night, but they came back. 
I'm, I just let's not let's not talk about that game right now. Can can the, the Pistons please win a game before that, please? Please, I don't need that stress. <laughs> I don't need that stress. But no matter what happens in that Pistons game, no matter what happens in this New Year's Eve game, no matter what happens in 2024, you can always count on the Locked On Kings podcast to be here for you after every single game. The Locked On Kings podcast to be here for you in the days in between games. I appreciate you so much. It's always fun to have you here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Remember to respond. You want to share your thoughts on the Kings making changes to their starting lineup, your thoughts on De'Aaron Fox, the Kings comeback, Trey Lyles, whatever it is. Share them with me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. For right now, we are done. If I don't see, well, hopefully I'll see you after the, uh, the, the New Year's Eve game against the Grizzlies. But if I don't, have a very, very happy New Year and I'll see you in 2024. But hey, come back for the Grizzlies game, won't you? Appreciate you. I'll talk to you later. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.